0: We are in the mood for fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, fantasy football leagues, obviously ongoing all season. It's been a wild ride. Tommy Garrett has had you covered at ProFootballNetwork.com. I'm Cody War filling in today and we're going to drive a lot of this discussion on some fantasy breakout performances. We're going to talk about Joe Burrow's big day against the Baltimore Ravens with Todd Penny against the Chicago Bears, but more importantly, some key injuries have happened over here in week 16. How does it impact fantasy leagues, playoffs, championship matchups, not to mention we look ahead to some favorable matchups in week 17 of NFL action on today's brand new episode in the mood for fantasy football. Tommy Garrett. So great to uh, you know, have you alongside here today to get your fantasy insight and expertise. I know fantasy football managers have valued that all season long. How you doing,
1: my man? Good. It's good to see your voice again, man. It's been a while awesome. since we've been on the mic together. <laughs> I know. Uh, I missed it. I know, man. It's been weird. Uh, I don't, I mean, first of all, you know, to have a good Christmas. I know everyone probably enjoyed the holidays. I know for me, and I I kind of spoke to you a little bit before the the show began, like it feels like we're all running on like 100 miles an hour trying to play catch up. It's weird how we're such creatures of habit. Like you take a couple days off, sit back and relax. The next thing you know, the NFL is coming 100 miles an hour right back at you. So uh, hopefully you had a good one as well.
0: Absolutely, dude. It it has hit me like a, like a brick house, man. Just in terms of how fast things have gone. Because you know yeah. what, Saturday we had two games of football on Christmas Day. We had food. We were able to sit there and enjoy some you know nice beverages. And then all of a sudden, bam! You wake up today and you're like, oh man, I just I'm not feeling it yet. So it took me a while. It took me several cups of coffee to kind of get back. But you know what, Tommy, I'm in the mood for fantasy football, my friend. And, and you know, let's start things off here by talking about some of the biggest fantasy breakout performances here in Week 16's action. I'd be remiss if we don't start off with Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. What an epic day by him against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, throwing for 525 yards through the air, four touchdowns. It could have been five, but one of them got called back. He was just all over the place against this Ravens team, and, and he wasn't shy about slinging it even when they were up significantly with final time remaining here on the clock. For fantasy managers, I mean, how big of a performance was this for them, and obviously for long term, and maybe even in dynasty leagues as we talk about that as well? What does his outlook look like from a fantasy manager's perspective? Just how valuable was he yesterday for them?
1: This was massive. Um, and especially like if you play DFS, um, Joe Burrow, if you play a bingle stack. You probably ended up coming out in the top three in your uh, in your lineups this week. Like this wasn't a massive game. Whether you had Joe Mixon who had two touchdowns this game, you had uh, T. Higgins almost goes for 200 yards, scores two touchdowns. Uh, Jamar Chase gets in the action, goes for another 100, goes for uh, 125 yards, drew multiple flags as defenders just trying to drape over him because of how physical he can be, just trying to stop that connects from going. And honestly, they couldn't do anything about it. Uh, you saw Joe Burrow kind of get asked in the in the press conference about some comments that the defense coordinator made about him, and like he even said, like, look, yeah, he was thinking about it. That's one guy I don't think you want to give bulletin board material to. Like he has a big enough chip on his shoulder. Like we all kind of go back and think about him sitting on the couch smoking the cigar when he was still at LSU. Like that's the guy we're seeing out there. Like this is Joe Cool and this is what he can do. And it's to see a performance like this is one of the very few times that we've seen a quarterback surpass that that 500 yard mark. And it was good to kind of see them air that ball back out because you had the one touchdown all of a sudden it called back for uh for a penalty. And they go right back to it and make sure he gets over the 500 yards. So (laughs) I think he's going to have a great game probably next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a team that's rolling. So we could see this being another high-scoring game. The Bengals for the first time have swept the Ravens and they swept the Browns this year. Um, I, it's it's a team where you look, this is a very dangerous offense. They've got two top twelve wide receivers and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. You throw in Tyler Board, it's one of one of the best uh trios, throwing Joe Mixon back in there. So I hope we kind of stop saying, like, hey, is he actually elite or not? The answer is yes. Joe yes. Mixon is very much on the elite side of things. So look, the the stock is rising is about as high as it is for anyone else in the Cincinnati Bengals team. And Joe Burrow's captain of the ship, and I don't see it sinking anytime soon.
0: This is going to be a game of the week matchup. I just think in general for NFL fans, the the Chiefs, the Bengals, the implications, obviously both teams right now in control at the top of their divisions respectively. But man, could you imagine the storylines that we're going to be talking about next week if Joe Burrow goes into a showdown with Patrick Mahomes and just lights it up? I want to see it. I'm on board with that, Tommy. I know fantasy football managers are as well. I don't know if you
1: saw this. Speaking of storylines, did you see the tweet about Patrick Mahomes and his record in the last three months of the season? In November, December, and January, he is 26 and one. So you have that matchup going up against Joe Burrow. It, it's going to be as good as it gets. Well, and I
0: think that one loss, too, because I was actually talking with Trey Wingo earlier on Pro Football Network Weekly, and he had said that one loss was actually against the Tennessee Titans, that if Harrison Bucker doesn't get a kick blocked, He's 27-0, which is That's, incredible. It's and incredible. It yeah. goes to, I think, when we look at it from a fantasy perspective, Tommy, you look at players, you look at production. I know that everyone was talking about the Chiefs' struggles at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, midway through the season, but it's about the end game. It's about being able to get it going at the right time. And right now, they're doing it. Right now, the Bengals are doing it but let's talk about another fantasy performance from Sunday. And that's Rex Burkhead running back for the Houston Texans. And what was a surprise victory for the Texans against a Los Angeles Chargers team, 22 carries a buck 49 and two touchdowns in a win over the Chargers. I mean, Rex Burkhead turned back the clock a little bit and looked like the old Rex Burkhead of old with New England and even Cincinnati at times. And Mm -hmm. just in, in general, you know, can fantasy managers in these final two games of the season, if they have him or if they have a chance to pick him up, is it something that they should invest in here with Rex Burkhead or was this an anomaly for he and the Houston
1: Texans? The problem always comes down to trusting someone on the Houston Texans. I mean, that's always going to be the crux of the issue. Like for as good as he played, like he's been the only running back who has played well, like 94 carries, uh, uh, 356 yards and three touchdowns leads the team. He also has 112 yards on six on 16 of 22 receiving. He's the only running back on the Houston Texans roster that has a touchdown. That's it. No one else does. It probably did help. Also, you know, David Johnson was out for this game, Um, but the issue is going to be like it's going to be that stability like this was a perfect scenario. This was the perfect storm. You go up against a very hot Los Angeles Chargers team who's turned into a bit of a run funnel like you don't necessarily want to pass against this team, but I don't think anyone expected them to have this kind of success. Uh, so to see Rex Burkhead kind of channel some of that, you know, multi-dimensional facets of his game that we kind of saw him use in uh, New England kind of as their their Swiss Army knife. He can work out of the backfield as a receiver. We know he has some decent uh, legs as a runner. So to see him do this was fantastic. I'm a little hesitant to rely on him going next week against San Francisco. It's probably going to be a much tougher run defense. Mm. They're probably not. Like at that point, like if you're if you're Kyle Shannon and you're this team, like, okay, I'm going to want Davis Mills to try to beat me. I'm, and that's I think that's the challenge for them. And that's what you would want to do as a defense. So for me, I would probably stay away from Rex Burkhead. But to see things like this happen, it just goes to show that no matter how much you think you know this game, there's always going to be something that surprises you, even in week 16.
0: Oh, and Rex Burkhead was the week 16 surprise around the National Football yep. League and, and more importantly if you had him in your fantasy league by some chance miracle or you just needed something obviously his fantasy playoffs are going then you came away very happy today you should give me your lottery numbers that way I can understand what I'm going to play this week to have a chance to retire early on here but you know Tommy uh, another performance we want to highlight here is Rashad Penny of the Seattle Seahawks yep. he's obviously been a big talking point in the fantasy football community for the last several weeks in terms of his volume with the Seahawks he had 17 carries a buck 35 and a touchdown and a loss against the Chicago bears. Not a reason that they lost, but he was a big contributing factor as to why they were still in that game against Mm -hmm. them. Uh, You know, obviously with two games remaining, the Seahawks out of the playoff conversation, what is the outlook here for Rashad Penny for fantasy football managers, both with two games remaining and maybe even into next season, obviously we factor in, you might see Alex Collins back as well next year. So just a lot of questions about that Seattle backfield and a lot of uncertainty about Russell Wilson's future.
1: Well, not only that, but we're going to get back Chris Carson. Um, that's kind of the mm, forgotten man yep, backfield, the despite neck, yep. them giving him that big contract he's got that neck injury been dealing with and he's actually been probably one of the more underrated running backs in the NFL and for fantasy he was always just soaking up the touches but I think that also kind of wore him down a little bit we saw that happen last year when the injury started to take its toll and right now with like Rashad Penny for the first time in his career is the healthiest running back in this backfield like he's probably the healthiest he's been since 2018 uh, and you're trying to kind of start to see it put together and why some of these people were so high on him now granted I don't think they would have been high enough they would have in hindsight to take came over top of Nick Chubb, but that's something I'll leave for the Seattle uh, GMs and the coaching staff to try to figure out on their own. But yeah, he had another great game. It's a second game in the last three weeks, over 100 rushing yards. I think the thing that surprised me was 5.6 yards after contact per carry. So not only is he getting the ball, but he's making something happen after that initial contact. And in a game like this where they were really trying to establish that run, I think it was fantastic. Um, the thing is, with you got DJ Dallas, who's still getting some work on third down, still getting some work in the passing game. Uh, so I think he's going to kind of continue to see see some of that role. Although, uh, Rashad Penny, although he only had he didn't have any receptions, he did have 11 routes ran in this game, so he is getting worked in the pass game as well. And some eventually that volume will will turn into production in a PPR league. That's fantastic. The matchup is what you love to see this week gets a Detroit Lions, they're 24th against the running backs in their last uh, four games, allowing 24.8 points per game. We know the Seattle team when they get going, when Russell Wilson is going, it's like he admitted himself. He came back too early. Uh, so as long as he's kind of getting back to being healthy, we know it's going to be a dangerous team. They're going to be in the red zone. As long as you have that in a great matchup, Rashad Penny's probably going to be a viable play in your fantasy championships, which is really something I did not see coming when this season began.
0: It actually could end up being one of the more entertaining games that we see this week. I know we're talking about Cincinnati, Kansas City as the game of the week, but you know what? It's some of these teams that have the lower records, the losing records, that play each other, that have actually had more entertaining games so far this season, which is very interesting to say the least. They're just here to spoil the party.
1: Like They're just here to have fun at this point and see if they can mess around and do something.
0: I'm, I'm not opposed to it, but also for Rashad Penny as well. I think factoring into Sunday's game, obviously snow on the ground. You know what I'm mm-hmm. doing? I'm running the ball. I'm not going to air it out. I'm going to run the ball as much as I can. And obviously there's that production value that they got there. Unfortunately for Seattle, they couldn't come away with the victory. They're going to hope to do so against the Detroit Lions this upcoming week. But, you know, Tommy, let's get into some of the uh, the other talking points right now for the fantasy community. That's key injuries and fantasy implications of some of these injuries. Starting things off, the biggest one so far. Let's talk about James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars running back. He's been so fantastic for them. He's been a player that Trevor Lawrence has consistently lobbied for, even back to when Urban Meyer was coaching for them. And now he is done for the season. He tears his Achilles. We can talk about the impact right now. And for the final two weeks remaining, I'll have something there. But I think going into next season as well, you have Travis Etienne. who has got a Liz Frank Mm -hmm. injury that had surgery. Will he be up to speed by the time the season's ready next year? And also for James Robinson. We, we can talk about Cam Akers, his Achilles recovery. We still don't know if, it, you know if he's up to speed just yet. But for a guy like James Robinson, for this injury to happen at this point of the season, it's brutal for the optics of maybe yeah. him being able to be ready for the start of next season. So first off, what is the overall impact here for fantasy managers that may have Travis Etienne or James Robinson in their lineups?
1: It's devastating um, to lose one of the best storylines of the past two years, because rare, you get to see a guy like this come out as an undrafted for agent, all of a sudden go up and just absolutely explode the way he has. And like he did something that we haven't really seen since Arian Foster. Um, that's how special that he has been on this team. Uh, and it was one of the reasons why it was so surprising why Urban Meyer goes out and decides to spend a very high pick on Travis Etienne. Uh, granted, it didn't come out with much, and you heard the reports about him deciding say, hey, we're going to run him as a receiver, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a whole different regime. That's out the door. Finger gun salute to you, Urban Meyer. Have fun wherever you're at. Um, But it's the question's going to be, okay, what's the next regime going to opt to do when it comes to James Robinson? I'm assuming he is going to be healthy, because the difference here is that, you know, Travis Etienne got injured in the season. He's almost had an entire season to try to recover from a very tough injury to come back from. And then the same thing happened with um with uh James uh James Robinson. This is not an injury that you come back from quickly. What we're seeing out of Cam Akers, we're not entirely sure where he's at right now. Like they activated him because of contractual things, things like that. So it's not exactly like he is ready to play. So to go out in week 16, like this is putting his majority of his offseason program and the start of next season in jeopardy. Uh, so it's it's a brutal injury to have this happen. And right now they're going to be relying on someone like, you know, Dario Goombawale, who kind of stepped up, had a really big role in this game. 17 carries for almost 60 yards. He had 36 yards after contact, does find the end zone on this one, too. It's funny thing is he might not actually even be the best athlete in his family. Uh, Arika Goombawale who actually went to uh, Notre Dame, plays for the Dallas uh uh, plays for the Dallas Wings right on the WNBA. She's the one that hit the game winner uh, to be Juno Uriyama and UConn back in the women's uh, final four. Uh, so it's he might not even be the best one in his family, but the one we're all kind of paying attention to right now. So it's, I think he'll get the short-term benefit, but moving into next year, it's I don't know what exactly we're going to do. It's all going to come down to what we end up hearing and know how hard this is, you know, to trust coach speak and what comes out of teams when it comes to someone's injury. So it's, I think it's going to be an interesting situation. I don't know what the answer is going to be, unfortunately. And that's something we're going to have to play out, you know, next summer.
0: Well, not to mention that the organization is going to have a brand new head coach, maybe an entirely new coaching staff. After one season of the urban Meyer debacle, there's a lot of coaches obviously that are probably on the way out. Does it
1: go down as the worst head coaching hire in, in NFL history?
0: It very well might. I mean, I think it's very, very close. I mean, we could even talk about Josh McDaniels briefly as the Indianapolis Colts guy before everything. And then head right, Indiana- right back to New England, yeah. God, I'll never forget that. But Urban Meyer just to complete the box. At least Urban showed up, though.
1: He might not have been completely there, and he might not have came back with the team, but he showed up in the beginning, unlike Josh McDaniels.
0: That is very true. And another injury we want to get to here, Tommy, is obviously for the Kansas City Chiefs. A team right now is clinched the AFC West. And right now they're in firm control, of maybe maintaining that number one seed in the AFC. Yeah. So they could be getting that first round by. They have two games remaining. Okay. They take on the Cincinnati Bengals in a fun matchup, at least on paper, this upcoming weekend. And then they close out the season on the road at the Denver Broncos. But if they can beat the Bengals this week, more than likely they're in a position where they can rest their starters in week 18. Remember, on top of the first that, round buy has never the been buy. more
1: important because only the first seed gets a bye this, this year.
0: Which I feel like for a team like Kansas City, I mean, it could benefit them. It could also be a curse as well. I know we'll get to that obviously in the coming yeah. weeks ahead here on In the Mood. But uh, when we look at Clyde Edwards hilaire he suffered a collarbone injury in the team's win against the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. X rays came back negative. He is expected to be fine. But if you're Andy Reid and this coaching staff, Do you play him this week, potentially, if he is able to go? Or are you more comfortable with Darrell Williams, who, in my opinion, I feel like is probably the more dynamic back of the two in terms of efficiency inside this offensive scheme?
1: If it's me, I think if you're Andy Reid, you know you have two competent backs behind you. If you want to run a committee approach to him and Derek Gore, like, I don't think there's any need to play Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Granted, like, he has been somewhat of a disappointment over these past couple yeah. years. Like, given the draft capital that was invested, now granted, the Chiefs are coming off a of Super Bowl. Like, you have, you can do anything you want to at this point, and no one's necessarily going to question the draft pick that you and made. They
0: let Damian Williams walk, which is interesting in hindsight.
1: It is. It is because he was coming off some decent games, but yeah. Damian Williams really kind of showed up in the latter part of the years. Like he showed up in the playoffs.
0: He could have won um, the Super Bowl MVP in my opinion. He, too I, honestly, I think he
1: probably should have won that year. Um, but then you hear like, you know, Patrick Holmes apparently lobbied to bring in Clyde Edwards Alaire. Like we saw what he did at LSU. And with that, one of the best college teams we had ever seen. I mean, he's a guy who had that spin move that can make a person miss in a phone booth, but we haven't necessarily seen that out of him, especially not necessarily out of the running game. Like, I'm mean, sorry, out of the receiving game missed several games this year due to an ankle injury. Um, and in those times, like you talk about Darrell Williams played really well. Uh, if we go back to weeks, 10th, uh, six through 10, when, um, Uh, Clyde edwards Lair was out. He had 244 rushing yards on 69 attempts with two touchdowns. Not only that, he had 226 receiving yards, which was the second most of any running back during that span. So we know he's got that uh, receiving ability as well as that rushing ability. You bring in Derek Gore, who, look, he had another solid game, you know, um, almost gets 100 yards, total yards in this one shows out really well as a receiver. So it's, I think they can kind of go back and forth in this one. I think in terms of the fantasy aspect, you're going to want to go with Daryl Williams. He'd probably be the number one play. And in a lot of leagues, if he's out there, he might end up being the number one waiver priority. It'd be, it's a battle between him like Daria Gumawali. I think for your top ones. I think Williams would be the number one, kind of followed by Gore. Williams kind of in that RB2 kind of role. Gore as like in that RB3. But for me, it's, I don't see any reason to play Clyde Edwards-Lair anymore. Let him rest until the playoffs. You might be able to give him three weeks off. Give him weeks uh week seventeen, week eighteen, they have a first round bye, then you bring him back. Like that's phenomenal rest for a guy like him. Get some get some wear back on his tires. Cause it's been the longest season we've ever had in the NFL. So for me, I actually have no issue with they just set him. Run with Darrell Williams and left fans and managers enjoy those extra production from some guys you might not have been expecting earlier on.
0: You know, even when he returns, I would make Williams the primary carrier for them as well, yeah. just because he's the bulkier guy, but that allows you to be more creative with how you use Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And, and maybe Andrew Reed's thinking that. Maybe I'm just thinking that, but I, I guarantee if I've thought about it, Andy Reed has thought about it from maybe different angles, right? We go back to Marvel, we go to Avengers, and he talks about all these millions, you know, scenarios, and only one of them works. He's already done that. He's the Dr. Strange of NFL offensive I'll guarantee you he has written right
1: down now. that scenario on a barbecue <laughs> stained napkin while he was eating some brisket in Kansas City. I love it. It,
0: And it's something obviously to monitor here. The Chiefs are rolling at the right time. Uh, You know, let's get to another injury here. Obviously, in Philadelphia, Miles Sanders left the game with a hand injury. And obviously, he was coming off of a very big performance on Monday Night Football previously. And now this injury is obviously big that he sustained against the New York Giants. What does this have for fantasy football managers? If I'm not mistaken as well, they also had another running back that got banged up in this game.
1: Yeah, um and we also did get news earlier today about that injury. He did end up suffering a broken bone in his hand. Nick Sarani told reporters that he is out for week 17. So, we're moving forward without um Ooh. Miles Sanders for the fantasy championship. So it'll come down to Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, the one you alluded to, also suffered an injury. Suffered a stinger in his neck all reports are he will be fine um Boston Scott ended up playing well gets 12 for 41 in a touchdown but he did majority of that work when Jordan Howard was knocked out of the game for the third quarter like start of the third quarter and uh, sorry the third quarter and started the fourth was when Howard kind of played the majority of his snaps before losing uh before being knocked out so i think it's going to be a little bit more of a split in this committee i think i might lean I, I, I can see this honestly being like, okay, you've got two guys that are both going to kind of cut into each other's reps. Both are going to be low-end RB2s into the high-end RB3 kind of range. I think that for me, it's going to be why I say that is the Philadelphia Eagles saw a complete different shift in their offensive philosophy. From weeks 9 through 15, the Philadelphia Eagles are running the ball on 61% of their offensive plays. That is staggering when the NFL average is only like 43%. So they realize, Nick Sirianni realized, hey, we need to run the ball Um, And when you honestly, they're doing that part of that with Jalen Hurts, who is a phenomenal on the ground. We know he's one of the most prolific runners at the quarterback position behind, you know, guys like, you know, um, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, like you would put him right up there in that kind of same, uh, same skill set on the ground. So it's, I think you're probably going to see both Jordan Howard and uh, Boston Scott be viable assets in week 15 the pecking order is going to kind of come down to the drive. It's going to come down to where they are on the field, who they're playing against, things like that. And so, yeah, Washington this week, because I think it's a good matchup. We just saw them get steamrolled by the (laughs) Dallas Cowboys. We're not expecting that exact same kind of style of game this week, but I think both running backs are going to be viable this week.
0: Well, and I think when you look at this Eagles team as well, and I think you kind of touched on it, you you answered my question a little bit that I'm going to present now. How much of the dynamic of that offense does change if you have to yeah. put it in Boston Scott's hands versus, you know, a guy like Miles Sanders who has been just a, a blur. He's been fantastic to watch. And obviously we talk about if you're getting the offensive line involved in terms of scoring touchdowns, more thick sixes could be in store. I love for the big man TDs. Eagles. I love, I them. love I'm it. here for all of them. Well, you know, and I think a lot of that goes to, can Jalen Hurst be more consistent as a passer? I mean, we see moments, and we saw it on Monday Night <laughs> Football last week, where, you know, he makes a throw into tight coverage, and you're like, wow, how did he fit it in there? And then you see him throw a pass, and it's like, why did he do that? You're going to live with the highs and lows, and I think that's where Nick Sirianni is working with this young quarterback. I don't know how it changes, but they can find a way to adapt, and against a Washington football team that, look, they've got internal issues with players punching each other on the sidelines, getting into it. I mean, it is it is wild seeing this. The thing is, though,
1: it's like, that happens. The majority yeah. of the time that happens, it happens behind closed doors. You don't yeah. normally see that on the sidelines. And we saw several former players speak out on social media about the saying the same thing. Like, happens this all happens the all the time. And it's like they even said in the postgame press conference, sometimes you fight with your brother. And these guys have known each other since college. So it's, this is nothing uncommon. The only difference is the general public never sees it happen. So, we, I, I don't think we should see this do. as a shock.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's a culture shock, I think, for NFL viewers. But no, I agree with you, Tommy. I mean, a lot of these things happen at practice where yeah. the media doesn't necessarily get it or they can't report it. It's, you know, things like this happen all the time. I don't think there's think anything like training make a big camp, deal how many
1: times it. we hear about fights happening, whether it's between <laughs> in, a, in a team or when you're doing two teams scrimmaging together when they know they're playing on uh, have the a preseason time. game? It happens all the time. It only just happens, it only matters if there's a camera there to capture it.
0: Well, interesting enough as well, too, we, we talk about some of these injury impacts. Well, let's talk about COVID, obviously, for a brief moment here. It's been impacting Mike Evans for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been placed on the COVID reserve list. Mm-hmm. And now Julio Jones for the Tennessee Titans. And Akini Westbrook has also, I mean, Westbrook Akini has been placed oh. on the COVID reserve list as well. And this is coming off of, obviously, a time where A.J. Brown has inserted back into the lineup. Mm-hmm. And, man, was he force-fed. He looked good in action on Thursday night football. But now you lose two guys. And, unfortunately, for Julio Jones, he's been back battling injuries this season. Now the COVID reserve list, he could potentially test out of it. As of right now, we don't know. Uh, but, you know, more blow, you know, more blows here to this Tennessee Titans team in terms of skill players, uh, you know, your quick thoughts on this.
1: I mean, the big thing with Julio, like right now, as, as weird as this is to say, and I understand what I'm about to say is COVID is the least of his concerns on a global scale. I understand that's a weird thing to say, but like he's still dealing with hamstring injuries. He's been battling for the majority of a season. So even him missing time right now, if it, if he does end up missing this game, like it's this is A.J. Brown's team. Like his his first game back was one of the best performances for a returning player coming off of injury. We've probably seen all season. He was the focal point of this Tennessee offense. And their only goal only goal right now is to make it to the playoffs because they know they're getting back Derrick Henry. Like this is a team where everyone else <laughs> is getting injured. They're getting better which is a very scary thing, uh, knowing what you have coming back. So, I mean, this is just going to feed A.J. Brown even more. He's going to be a top six play every single week now for fans, especially this week. Um, and when it comes to, you know, to Mike Evans, uh, who's been dealing with the hamstring injury, we know that Chris Godwin is already out. Like, this just puts more of the, the power towards uh, Antonio Brown. His first game back plays almost plays almost 80% of the snaps. 10 to 15 receiving for 101 yards. They're just going to continue to feed him. Um, we saw Tom Brady kind of okay, prove why you are the best to ever do it. Because he take guys with that don't have much of a track record and turns them into stars. Uh Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, um, Cameron Bright end up having a game as well. So I don't think it's going to change too much of what happens to Antonio Brown. I think what we saw this week, you're probably going to see moving forward again because we now have like a we have a little bit of a track record of what this team looks like when Antonio Brown is the only receiver out there.
0: Yeah, and they're getting, like you mentioned, volume opportunities for him to be able to see that is going to be good for fantasy managers in the playoffs or in their championship leagues right now. Uh, Real quick, also another COVID note, Cincinnati Bengals backup quarterback Brandon Allen did test positive for COVID here today, but head coach Zach Taylor has said that Joe Burrow should not have to test this week.
1: Put him Uh, in a bubble and lock him away. He's good. Protect Joe Burrow with your life.
0: Oh, and he hasn't in the last couple of weeks. He hasn't practiced the first couple of days, anyways, with the yeah. obviously with the the pinky injury that he's been dealing with. So yeah. hold him out of action. Obviously, Brandon Allen will not be at the facility. Protect Joe Burrow because look, it's gonna be a fun matchup against the. Well, we also City see that Chiefs. more
1: towards the end of the year where coaches are trying to manage reps of players and practices. Like you saw it most of the time, you kind of saw it with veterans, but now you're seeing it even with younger players. Like we said, it's an 18 week season. So we're starting to see more and more guys mispractice. So if you see someone all of a sudden pop up for a, a DNP on a random Wednesday or Thursday, don't panic. That might just be coaches trying to manage reps, like you just said with uh, Joe Burrow, who's been also nursing that finger injury.
0: Well, speaking of matchups, we're looking forward to let's get into some of the week 17 matchups that maybe fantasy football managers should keep their eye on. One of them being the Atlanta Falcons on the road, taking on the Buffalo Bills, who right now, Buffalo is in control of being able to take over the AFC East and win that division. You have the New England Patriots who are coming off of a loss to the Bills, traveling to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, as we talked about, are depleted. And obviously, for Trevor Lawrence, just struggling in this offense. The, inc- the amount when you look at his touchdown to interception ratio, the amount of touchdowns he's thrown or lack of touchdowns that he has thrown has been very astronomical to look at. And then you got Tampa Bay. All things considered, we talk about volume. We talk about Antonio Brown, the contributions from Bray, OJ Howard, Rob Gronkowski, and even just the running backs that they are getting involved. They're traveling on the road to take on the New York Jets, Detroit at the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, these are some favorable matchups in terms of some fantasy implications. Which players in these matchups are you looking forward to watching, Tommy? And who should fantasy managers keep their eye on?
1: I think the one, we'll look at the Atlanta versus Buffalo first. I think the matchup is going to be, okay, can Kyle Pitts replicate his 100-yard performance against Ooh. one of the best defenses in the NFL? I love that from a schematic matchup with uh, with Micah High and Breuer in the back, like and Matt Milano even playing at a linebacker. Can they match up with a guy who is really just a wide receiver playing tight end. Like we call him a unicorn for a reason. Uh, so can they stop what he's done? And for me on the Buffalo side, it's, you know, Devin Singletary, 18 opportunities, 78 total yards, and a touchdown. The week before that, he had 22 rushes, 86 yards and another score. Uh, so we're seeing the Buffalo Bills finally have a fantasy viable running back. We have been wanting that for years, but they've continued to do this mix and match of him and Zach Moss. And I think the other thing that was very interesting was Isaiah McKenzie kind of filling in in that Cole Beasley role. That was one of the more surprising things we kind of saw come out this week In a week where we kind of figured, okay, first it was going to be Gabriel Davis. Then yeah. he tests out for COVID. Oh. Then it was like, okay, now this is going to be the Emmanuel Sanders game. He's going to blow up. Sanders doesn't do much. And McKenzie goes out 12 targets, 11 receptions, 125 yards. The risk, the the concern is he's always a, he's a low a dot guy. So if you're in a PPR league, I think it makes more sense. Um, but he's going to be a volume player, assuming both Beasley and Gabriel Davis are out like, I'm not entirely sure. You might want to correct me on this one. Is is Gabriel Davis and Colby's? Are they both going to be out for this week? Because I know they're both unvaccinated, which puts them in the ten-day window. So I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember necessarily remember if that also ruled them out for week 17 as well.
0: Yeah, no confirmation just yet on if they're out, but I mean, obviously the symptoms that they're, they're going to have to continue to figure out if they're still having symptoms, then I would assume that you can rule them out as if they, if they yeah. have symptoms today, they're more than likely out in this situation. So you're probably going to see a lot more of that. But, you know, Tommy, it's interesting you make that point too, especially about Isaiah McKenzie, right? Because when you see these guys like Gabriel Davis go down, due to being placed on the COVID list, same with Cole Beasley, not having those two guys there, we automatically Mm -hmm. assume. Stephon Diggs had a big day against the New England Patriots, no doubt about it, but we think other guys are going to maybe step up. Emmanuel Sanders, you mentioned, just hasn't had the impact that we had thought initially at the beginning of the season that we saw early on. And then you think next up, okay, who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Dawson Knox as maybe this next target. And then ideally we don't get that. Then we get Isaiah McKenzie who comes in, just the amount of volume. It's interesting enough, especially considering it was against the New England Patriots defense. It's pretty good. Now they're playing an Mm -hmm. Atlanta defense where you have A.J. Terrell playing very good football there. He's more likely going to be on Stephon Diggs, so it does open up Mm -hmm. more opportunities for McKenzie this week.
1: Yeah, I think, like I said, I think he's going to be a high volume guy. And that's that's the biggest thing for him. And like we talked about with the uh, the patrons Jacksonville game, I think we know who to start with in terms of New England. The big thing, like we talked about, it's it's Dario Gumbawale. Uh, Assuming Carlos Hyde is going to remain on the IR due to concussion, like he's going to be the high volume guy. Um, We might end up seeing maybe for once Levisca Chenault finally show up like you want to talk about uh, someone who could finally uh, pay off some managers that have been really banking on him finally (laughs) doing something all season. He's been a no show all year. Uh, so we might see him get a little bit more run because they they can be creative with him, even getting involved in the running game or in some some short intermediate pass where it's kind of more just an extension of the running game. So we could see I think it's going to be Daria Goomba Wally will be the, the big player to play for uh, in terms of Jacksonville. Outside of that, it's kind of hard to trust anyone like the only other guy we had this whole season, like Marvin Jones had a couple of good games and then it was Dan Arnold. But after his injury, James O'Shaughnessy just has not been able to come in and see that same kind of a role. I mean, I don't know if you can think of anyone else that you're kind of looking at in terms of a matchup for this game or not.
0: Not necessarily as well. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I just saw a notification. I believe it was uh, Dan Arnold, if I'm not mistaken, that is also on the COVID list. Uh, let me work to confirm.
1: Well, he's already out way. on the IR. So okay, that's, so that's there's that. Right
0: now. So for the Jaguars, Dan Arnold, you have him there. And outside of that, you have an offensive lineman uh, added to the COVID reserve list as of today. So there is that. So, I mean, they are depleted. I, I just don't see any favorable guys that you can go with in Jacksonville. I, I mean, I'm glad that you brought up LaVisca Chenault. I feel like going back and watching the Jaguars this season, they have not been able to utilize some of the big playmakers. And I think obviously losing DJ Chark for them early on in the season, man, that was a big blow because he was kind of the guy that opened things up for everybody else. And it just hasn't come to fruition. But let's take a look at surprising all of a sudden
1: to see like Laquan Treadwell. When Laquan Treadwell is your number one receiver, (laughs) something going on with your franchise. I can't put my finger on it though. You know, I'm happy
0: for Treadwell, though. I I, I know Absolutely. his journey has been so up and down, but man, I'm glad that he's been able to find kind of new life here in Jacksonville, which you don't know, often say people go to Jacksonville find new life to revitalize <laughs> their careers. But here we That's are. That's where you
1: go to retire, too. He's going there to thrive.
0: I love it. Well, let's talk about Tampa Bay and the New York Jets here. Obviously, in this matchup, we talk about Antonio Brown, the volume. We talk about tight ends there. Tom Brady, obviously, really impressive. You can see why he's got consideration for the best quarterback of all time because he's able to amplify everybody around him. Uh, Obviously, we have the evident matchups in this game on the Tampa Bay side. But is there anybody in the New York Jets side that maybe you're looking at in this matchup that maybe could take advantage because they are going against a Tampa Bay secondary that does give up the big play consistently? Zach Wilson made some nice plays, obviously, on Sunday, from what we had seen in terms of. Also, even being able to use his legs on a 52 yard rushing touchdown. Uh, okay, I just don't think he's he going to do that. Leg,
1: we need to admit the Jacksonville Jaguars completely quit on that run. Zach Wilson was they not running like a four taking. two forty. That was a seven <laughs> one. He ran for a touchdown. For some reason, they decided we're going to stop running.
0: They should have hit him out of bounds. I was, I thought that was what was going to happen, but he just he stopped. He pulled the Kenny Pickett.
1: He pulled a Kenny Pickett where he faked like he was going to go out of bounds instead of sliding. Like defenders are going to say, "Hey, look, if he's going to do quarterback. that." we're going to lay a quarterback out because now we don't know if he's going to go out of bounds or he's going to keep going. That could be an issue.
0: It, 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 I mean, we're going to see it at the collegiate level. We're going to see it at the NFL level. And, and I know the NFL has not addressed it the way that the NCAA said, hey, look, this is not allowed now because the NCAA had to come in and say, look, this is not okay. You cannot do yep. this, which. It was like 24 what? hours. They changed yeah, a new rule, like, which
1: never happened in the NCAA.
0: Good job, Kenny Pickett. You're kind of changing the game there, revolutionary-wise there. But is there anybody on New York that you'd look at and say, hey, okay, I might try my luck at playing them this week against a Tampa Bay defense? I don't think that Zach Wilson can ever replicate what he no. did in terms of running against Tampa Bay, but kind of begs the question, uh, you know, who can you trust on on New York this week?
1: Uh, in terms, we, we know how to play against Tampa Bay. You you try to avoid the running game, which sucks because I think Michael Carter would be the guy who's kind of getting a little more interesting. He comes back in this game, sixteen for 120 yards, gets two receptions, uh, ends up getting uh six receiving, uh, six receiving yards. Played on a season high, 74% of the snaps. Um, like Tevin Coleman still had double digit carries, but Ty Johnson been pretty much phased out of this offense. The downside is you don't want to attack Tampa Bay on the ground. Um, that's not where anyone has ever won against him. And so now we're trying to rely on Zach Wilson, uh, in the air, which like you just said, like, that's not something we want to try to like, we're not hoping he's going to duplicate that. If you're looking at anyone, maybe like Braxton Berrios, he's had a little bit of success. Um, but I mean, after losing, um, you know, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, like it's, there's not that many options. Like there's a thing to being the number one, but if you're only normally going to be a number four, I'm not necessarily that interested in you as a fantasy it, asset.
0: No, not at all. It's it's the least appealing matter for me, and I th- I think especially yeah. against Tampa Bay, this could be the game where Tampa Bay has a great game in the secondary, and, and maybe gives up a couple of big runs. But I think but it's like risky. You're in your anyways.
1: championships right now, like you probably already have good Jets. enough players not to need to rely on someone from the New York freaking Jets. Like I feel like you don't Ooh. need to need to rely on Braxton Barry. If you did, congratulations. Like I don't know how you got here to this point, but I'm glad you're here at the dance.
0: Fantasy managers are going to need a therapy session if that's the case. If they have to we all need a Braxton therapy session this season. We do, man. I it, It's been rough. I know for me, look, I've had moments where I've lost a key guy in the middle of a game. I lost a guy you know, right before. Yeah. I was 13-1 in my league, Tommy, and this is when COVID started here. I lost Lockett. I lost, you know, um, obviously you had A.J. Brown coming off. I didn't have him quite yet. I lost Tyler mm-hmm. Lockett, Jarvis Landry, and all of a sudden I lose, and now I'm playing for third place. There's and nothing you can do about Asian that. League. Like right so now, the best
1: team isn't necessarily winning. It's just who's the healthiest. Like we yep. talked about, like, okay, like, you know, separation, and we talk about receivers. Like my the stat I consider on my metric is yards of separation of social distancing. That's the only thing I care about right now in fantasy football. I need someone to make that as a chart so we can all see who is staying furthest apart from each other.
0: I love it. I mean, that would be fantastic. Now, real quick, Tommy, before we get out on today's episode in the move for fantasy football here, one more matchup to kind of keep an eye on here in week 17, and that's going to be the Detroit Lions traveling to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously, the Seahawks coming off of a loss of the Bears. We talk about Rashad Penny early on in this game, barring some crazy weather change where it snows again, snow apocalypse here in Seattle. I hope. So. Are we going to see a situation where other guys besides Penny can get involved? And we're talking about guys like DK Metcalf. We're talking about obviously Tyler Lockett, who's always been a threat but obviously when it snows you can't really air it out in the way that Russell Wilson normally wants to who are you looking at on both sides in Detroit versus the Seahawks
1: well I think that was one of the reasons we saw Gerald Everett had his probably his best game of the season catches four or five for uh, 68 yards and gets a touchdown we've kind of been wanting him to do that and it was like you know okay we have him and Tyler Higbee in Los Angeles when those two separate we thought they both could go on to have success in their own separate places Um this is fine we finally start to see that out of Gerald Everett now if Tyler Lockett comes back Hopefully we have him for this game as well. Then we might end up having a, some decent production out of him. You're always going to start DK Metcalf. Um, I think in terms of the lines and things where things get a little more interesting, we see Jamal Williams come back, who, yep. before the season, was someone I was talking about, hey, he had 200-touch upside, given the way that Dan Campbell was probably going to want to run the ball. Like It took a little bit, but when he kind of took over play-calling duties, we're seeing them focus on the ground, and they're actually finding success. Last week in his first game back, 19 for 77 yards. Um, Craig Reynolds also had some decent work, catch, uh, runs the ball 11, uh, 11 times, only gets 29 yards. So Jamal Williams now goes back into being into uh, low-end RB2 consideration. Uh, so I think he's going to be viable. The guy we have to look at, look, it's Amon Ross St. Brown. We've yes. been like the rookie class this year has been incredible, especially at the wide receiver position. Um, Rashad Bateman has looked good in games. Elijah Moore looked great. Jamar Chase has been phenomenal. Devonta Smith has looked good. Jalen Waddell has been incredible as well. So it's, it's a class we don't normally see this many quality players come out of. And over this last little bit of stretch, Amon Ross St. Brown out of uh, USC has really put his stamp on this class to be one of the guys we've got to pay attention to moving forward. The Detroit lions had to replace more targets and air yards than virtually anyone else. You come into this game, nine receptions, 91 yards gets a touchdown, even gets almost 20 yards on two carries over his last four games. 35 receptions on 46 targets for 340 yards and three touchdowns. He's seen 11-plus targets in every single one of his games. He scored 23-plus PPR points in three of his last four games. The only game that he didn't was against Denver in Week 14 when he had still had 15.3. And that, granted, that's also with different quarterbacks. That was with Drew Locke, and that was also with uh, Tim Boyle, I think it was, over this last week. And So, like, you've got multiple quarterbacks still feeding the ball to Monrose Brown, and he's still thriving when teams know, like, he is the number one. So I don't see that changing anytime this week as well. Like Amon Ross St. Brown, he's going to be a wide receiver too in your championship format, which for me personally, I love to see it because I was a big fan of Amon Ross St. Brown coming out of college.
0: Well, I want to ask you this question too, because Jared Goff was activated off the COVID list. If you had to make the decision, who would you, if you're Amon Ross St. Brown, who would you prefer throwing you passes? Jared Goff or Tim Boyle? I know Tim Boyle, it's a short sample size, but Mm -hmm. look, I mean, nine catches, 91 yards. And then now you got to go back to Jared Goff, who, you know, it's sporadic maybe when you do get the ball from him.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's a little bit sporadic, but we look back at Jared Goff. Okay. He had like 10 receptions in one game, eight in his other two games. Like, regardless of the quarterback, like, he's getting, it's schematic at this point. The quarterback is almost somewhat irrelevant. Like, just do your job and don't turn the ball yeah. over. And Amon Rossane Brown is going to have good games. He had over 70 yards in every single one of these last four games. You throw in these touchdowns, like I would prefer personally probably see Jared Goff in there at center under under center. I think I trust him a little bit more, which is a weird thing to say. I trust Jared Goff more than another quarterback, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I would take him over Timbo, and I think Amano Saint Brown would probably do the same thing. It's a quarterback you've been playing with, you know, since the summer, since you came in here as a rookie. As these two guys were both learning the same team in the same offense at the exact same time, because neither of them had experience. Jared Goff via a trade, Amano Saint Brown as a rookie. Uh, so, to see both these guys kind of develop this chemistry and really kind of click over this last part of the season, I would probably prefer, and I think Amano Sam Brown would as well, to probably see Jerry Goff under quarterback.
0: Somebody needs to check their bingo cards because we're looking at it here with just a few days left here in 2021. And the saying, I trust Jared Goff under center was said. We have hit the jackpot, ladies and gentlemen here, courtesy of Tommy Garrett. But thank you so much, Fantasy Football managers, for tuning in here today on In the Mood for Fantasy Football. Just a reminder, we will be live every single day, Monday, Tuesday and Friday for fantasy football specific content, myself and Tommy Garrett. And then you're also going to get the lineup of pro football network weekly hosted by myself, Dalton Miller and Adam Beasley. On top of that, a wide variety of other shows you get between the hashes. You're going to feature Ollie Hodgkinson and and Ian Cummings, our good friend, I almost said Ian Miller, Ian Cummings. And then obviously inside information for Tony Pauline and Cam Miller. We break it all down here. Pro Football Network. And you can get it, like I said, make sure you hit that follow button or subscribe to us. If you're an Amazon subscriber, you can hit that subscribe button and they take care of the cost of being able to do that. You get free membership here at twitch.tv slash pro football network. I'm Cody York speaking for my good friend, Tommy Garrett. And we've been in the mood for fantasy football.